0: In the moment, we'll begin with St. Luke chapter number 15. While we're getting ready for that, let me just take a moment and say that uh, today, for the first time ever, I get the opportunity to tag-team preach with my son in love I've had tag-team preaching with my father, and I've had tag-team preaching with my son, but this will be the first time Ever that I get to tag team preach with my son in love, and uh, probably won't be the last time. Amen. Let me just uh, throw a few kudos his way. Uh, he's just uh, him and Krista both—they're just doing an outstanding job for us. Been here over a year now. Amen. We've seen we've seen a hundred in growth on Sunday morning. Uh, since they've been here the last year, and I'm going to give a lot of that uh, to, to Sean, who, who works in Next Steps and just gets them from the front door uh, into working in the church and uh, uh, just gets them to stick, and so we're, we're excited about that. And today is Father's Day, and we're going to be uh, preaching a Father's Day message together. And i am just honestly tell you, and I wouldn't tell you if it wasn't true. I, I'd tell you it's a good father, but I'm telling you that I've never met a better father in my whole life. I've never seen a better father, never witnessed a better father than my son in love, Sean. Amen. He's an awesome, awesome daddy. Awesome daddy. Amen. All right, let's look in the book of Luke this morning, chapter number 15. And that was instead of a raise, Sean. One of my very favorite uh, passages in the entirety of the Word of the Lord. I, I just love, I love this story. And most people, when they preach this, they, they, they make it all about the prodigal son, and he's part of the uh, part of that story. Very few include the story of the older brother. And uh, I'll just tell you up front that he was as big a mess uh, as his uh, younger brother was. But really, the, the, the best story and the greatest story, about the whole thing is the Father. It's really a story about a godly Father. And so let, let's read about it this morning. And please pay attention as we read, even though you should know the story. But listen very carefully, because when we, when we talk about these things this morning, I'm not going to say, well, that was in verse you know, 17, or that was in verse 20, whatever. I'm just going to use the story. And so you need to know the story. Would you, would you help me with that? The Bible says to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Jesus said, "A man had two sons, the younger son told his father, "I want to share I want my share of your estate now before you die." So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. I, I ministered for my son yesterday in a, in, a, in a Father's Day special event, and I said, "Son, this is not going to happen." And my daughter's sitting here, sweetheart, it's not going to happen." And me and Mama are going to have fun if there's anything left. <laughs> a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called to your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, and get a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but, oh, has now returned to life. Oh, he was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friend. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Father, I thank you for the incredible opportunity of being here today. Father, I thank you for this day that has been set aside to honor our fathers, and they are deserving. But God, I thank you that you are our heavenly father. And I thank you that you will be the father, Lord, that we've always dreamed and hoped of if we did not have such a father. God, I just pray blessing on every father here today. Help us today, anoint us by your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise you may be received this morning. I can honestly tell you that I have never known any greater joy in life than the joy of being a father and now a grandfather. And you don't want to get me started on that. See, I fell in love with my kids the moment I first laid eyes on their little wrinkled flesh. And that love has continued to grow throughout the years. I simply cannot understand parents who do not enjoy their children. Are kids perfect? No. Uh, can, can, Can they try your patience and get on your last nerve? Absolutely. Let me tell you that they are worth all the effort that it takes to be a good, godly father to them. And if we're going to be good, godly fathers, it will take effort. It will take lots of effort. Well, today, Sean and I, we want to share with you five qualities of a godly father. Now, these are not all of the qualities of a godly father, but these are all that we have time for today. And all five of these qualities are found in the father that Jesus spoke about in the story we read about just a moment ago. So let's get started this morning. I believe that that a godly father, one of the qualities of a godly father is he will provide for the needs of his family. He will provide for the needs of his family. Dads, it is our responsibility to provide for the needs of our family, physical needs. Now, it's quite evident in the story that this father provided quite well for his two sons because because not only did he provide for their current needs, but he also provided, the Bible said, an inheritance for them. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says that a man who does not provide for his family has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance not only to his children, but also to his children's children. Now, now I want to be abundantly clear this morning. I'm not talking about spoiling your kids. I'm not talking about encouraging our kids to become entitled. You know, I'm three. I need my cell phone. You know, in some households, the kids are raising the parents. I still believe we ought to teach our kids how to work. Now, I'm not talking about a kid, you know, uh, ought to have a nine-to-five job. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about they ought to be taught a work ethic. Amen. Hallelujah. They ought to have some responsibilities around the house. And they ought to make their own bed. It's their bed. Mom, it's not your bed. It's theirs. Make them make it. Not your toys, they're their toys. And if they're big enough to with their toys, they're big enough to pick them up. Amen. Put them away. I know it's easier for you to do it. I know you can do it a whole lot quicker, a whole lot faster. But you need to teach them how to work. Because we've got a lot of kids today with an entitlement Mentality. They feel that they are entitled, not, not, not just for, you know, for a place to live, not just for food to, to eat and clothes. But, you know, they just feel entitled to have all of the latest gadgets and all of the things that have about And they just are entitled. When my kids were growing up, we loved to watch the Cosby Show. How many remember the Cosby Show? Did you watch that? Oh, that was one of our favorite shows that we would watch as a family. And we we, we love to watch the, the Cosby Show. And, and, and one of my favorite episodes of the Cosby Show was one day when, when Theo, the, the son, Theo was feeling really entitled. I mean, he was really feeling entitled. And, and he said to his dad, he said, He said, Dad, he said, and he looked around and he said, Dad, we're rich. And his dad said, No. No, Theo. We're not rich. Your mama and your daddy, we're rich. You have nothing. (laughs) Fathers are responsible for meeting the genuine physical needs of their children. When my son was just a kid, he, he, he always had to have the name brand. Had to have name brand. I mean, you know, if, if the shirt had to have that little, you know, that little name brand, that little logo, it had to have that. And the jeans, they had to have, you know, he had to have the, you know, the, the name brand. And, 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 and boy, for sure, for sure, those tennis shoes, man, those tennis shoes had to be name brand. Well, those tennis shoes cost a hundred bucks. I'm, I, I'm talking about, I mean, he's almost 40 now. I'm talking a long time ago. hundred bucks. I could buy a good quality tennis shoe for 50, but it didn't have that little emblem on it, you know. (laughs) Now, you might argue with me and say, oh, those name brands, hell, last twice as long, so really, he's not. No, I'm talking about when he's a little guy, when he's going to outgrow them before he wears them out. And I told him, I said, son, here's the way it is. I can buy you a good. Not, I'm not talking about some cheap thing. I'm talking. About, I can buy you a good quality tennis shoe for fifty dollars, and that's what I'm spending on your tennis shoe. Now, if you want the hundred dollar tennis shoe, you come up with the other fifty. And somehow he will always come up with the other fifty. <laughs> I found out just yesterday where he got the other fifty. Not only should a dad meet the physical needs, but he also should meet the emotional needs. Amen. See, kids have an insatiable need for the affirmation of their father. Now they seek love from their mother. They seek approval from their father. Yeah. And so, fathers, we, we must tell our kids how proud we are of them. We, we must become their greatest cheerleader. I'm going to tell you what, when Junior is up to bat, and literally, and he's looking up in the stands, he's not looking for some neighbor's kid's dad. He's not even looking for mama. He's looking for dad. My son never saw me sitting up in the stands, but I never stayed in the stands. I was behind the backstop, yelling at the ump. And then after after the game was over, I'd invite him to church. There's nothing worse than an absentee father. It's very evident in our story for today that this father was very involved in the lives of his sons. I'm not going to portray myself as any kind of a perfect father. I know that I made more than my share of mistakes, but I want to tell you about one thing that I did right. And I've told you before, but there's people that have never heard me tell this. And I tell this as a challenge to you. There's one thing that I did right with my kids. Both of them individually, I I took them out on a ride in my car. And I got alone somewhere out in the country somewhere. And I pulled over on the side of of the road. And I looked my son in the eye and later I looked my daughter in the eye. And I told my son and I told my daughter, I said, I want you to know that daddy loves you. I want you to know that your daddy is proud of you. Chad, I want you to know that, that, that if I could choose any, any little boy in the entire world to be my little boy, Chad, I want you to know, I would choose you. Krista, if, if I could choose any little girl in the whole wide world to be my little girl, Krista, I would choose you to be my little girl. And that's never changed. I challenge you, Dad. I challenge you. Not only the emotional needs, how about the spiritual needs? See, the father should be the priest of his home. He should be the spiritual leader of his family. He he, he should take his family to church. Not send them to church, not drop them off at church. He should take his family to church. Statistics tell us that if a father does not go to church, even though his kids go, even though his wife takes the kids, but if the father does not go with the family to the church, statistics tell us that neither will his kids continue to go to church after they're grown. Statistics tells us that only one in 50 will grow up and attend church as adults if they were raised by a dad who did not go to church. Only one in 50. On the other hand, if dad does go to church... His kids are 12 times more likely to go to church as adults. No pressure, Dad. Not only will a godly father provide for the needs of his family, he will also produce a godly atmosphere in his home. Now, it's said that the mother is the thermostat of the home. The mother sets the temperature of the home. And I'm pretty sure that's true because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But dads, dads have a huge role to play in the home as well. So let me very quickly suggest two things a father does that affects the atmosphere of his home. Number one, what he, prom- what he permits. What he permits. See, a father should be the watchman. Over his house. He should make sure that his house is safe. In Luke chapter 12 and verse number 39, Jesus said if the master of the house had known uh, what hour the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have watched, and he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Sad thing is the uh, the same dad who would, who would shoot an intruder who was breaking into his house. That same dad will allow the enemy, the devil, to break into his house and steal his most valuable possessions, which are his kids. He will allow the enemy to intrude into his home. This enemy does that through the music. Music. The internet. Facebook I see some of your kids on Facebook and I shudder I shudder it saddens me it grieves me, it hurts my heart you need to be policing it amen the relationships when I was about 14 years old one day I was talking to one of my Baseball school buddies. I was about fourteen. I was talking on the phone. We were laughing and talking and using some words we shouldn't use and saying some things we shouldn't say. And I put the phone down. I hear my dad's voice in his bedroom say, "Son, Mike, come here." (laughs) I walk into my dad's bed, mom dad's bedroom, and my dad has the phone. Busted. My dad said, under no circumstances are you allowed to hang out with this boy any longer. Confession time, Dad. I snuck around. Me and Dwight were still buddies. I was a lot more careful with the phone. Too many dads are absolutely clueless as to what is going on in the life of their child. Listen to me, Dad. Listen, it's our responsibility to know we are the watchmen of our house. And let me tell you something else this morning. People don't do what's expected. They do what's inspected. But, Pastor, what about their privacy? Hey, if your kid wants privacy, let him move out, pay his own rent, utilities, buy his own groceries, his own clothes, pay his own bills. He can have all the privacy he wants. Kids love me, I know. (laughs) A godly father will produce a a godly atmosphere in his home, not only by what he uh, permits, but also by what he promotes. What he promotes. See, a dad has incredible influence over his kids, and especially when they're young. Amen. Yes. You see, so goes dad, so goes the kid. Like father, my, my dad is here today. Mom and dad are here. Mom and dad on June the 7th just celebrated their 68th wedding anniversary. <clears throat> I remember as a little boy growing up, my daddy liked to eat. He still does, but he really did when he was younger. I mean, he just really enjoyed, you know, he just really enjoyed eating. And my dad was not a picky eater. He'd eat almost anything. I mean, he liked some things better than others, preferred, just like everybody. But, but he, 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 he wasn't picky. He'd eat about anything. But there was one thing my dad would not eat, and that was beets. And I remember as a little boy. Watching my daddy. And my daddy would pile his plate. And my daddy would get everything that was served. He would get a little bit of everything on his plate. But he wouldn't go near those beets. I'm not really sure if I've ever tasted beets. I just know that if my daddy, who likes all kinds of food, doesn't like beets, that's good enough for me. I don't want any beets either. I loved baseball as a little boy. I was—I told you a couple weeks ago sometime, I was really good, I really was. All-star little, little leaguer. I loved it. My son came along, I loved baseball. You know what he loved? Baseball, baseball. I was MVP, guess what he was? MVP, he was a great baseball player. He, he got to go all the way through though. He was something, I he could've gone to college, played baseball, great baseball player. Now we love golf. I love golf, guess what he loves? You know what? I'm a meat and potatoes man. You know, just meat and potatoes. I'm happy. You know? I mean, meat, potatoes, Mexican food. What else do you need? Amen. Amen. That's it. And that's, and, and, and that's that's my sign. That's my sign. Listen, dad, you're going to get what you promote. You're going to get what you promote. You're going to get who you are. You might want to get what you want. You don't get what you want. You're going to get what you promote. You're going to get who you are. Promote. Pessimism, you're going to get pessimistic kids. Promote criticism, you're going to get critical kids. Lethargy, lazy kids. Hard work, you're going to get productive kids. Let me ask you this, Dad. How is your attitude toward going to church and loving Jesus and how you treat your wife? Because you're going to get what you promote. If I were to put one thing over the head of my father as his legacy... The one thing that I would put over, there's other things, but this would be the one thing that I would put over his head, if I could just put one thing over his head, is his legacy. That is how he treated his wife. Amen. How he treated my mama. Amen. Uh, yeah. I would not dare think I've even got anywhere close to my dad in this area, but my wife is blessed today because I learned how to treat my wife from my father somebody said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree I say yeah neither does the nut <laughs> I'm out of time but I'm not out of points. so hey man I need a little more how many give me five more minutes my, my five more minutes five five ten fifteen twenty twenty five thirty thirty <laughs> works every time amen Talking about qualities of a godly father. Notice the third thing. And I'm going to try and do this very, very quickly. And yet it's very, very, very powerful and very important. That is, a godly father will practice patience toward his kids. Let me tell you, kids will be kids, and each kid will be different. And each kid will require different styles and approaches to parenting. Somebody said, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Oh. Why did all my kids turn out different when I treated them all alike? You what? You treated your kids all alike? Why would you do that? If every child is different, if every child has different needs, why? Would you treat every child alike? I was a very sensitive child. One stern look from my father, and I'd cry. My older brother required a two before upside the head. I think that's what's wrong with it. Kids are going to have their own set of strengths and own set of weaknesses, different personalities, different traits, different needs. And every child is going to possess their own set of things that they have to overcome. In our story for today, the younger son was spoiled. Babies of the family often are. See, the older kids have worn the parents down. The younger son was spoiled. The older son was self-righteous. He was pretty proud of himself. Read it. He was self—he oh, was so proud of himself for being so dependable. I've always been here. I've always done this. I've always done what you said. I've always been dependable. Woo, look at me. You didn't see me running off. Squandering the family fortune like this baby brother of mine did. See, both of these boys had their own set of negative tendencies they had to overcome. See, See, kids don't come off, they don't come to us off an assembly line where the tenth one is identical to the first one. My parents had four kids. All four of us were totally different in just about every way. Course. They save the best for last.:
1: Well, he didn't leave me very, very much time, so uh, next week, come back for part two. No, I'm just kidding Good thing I haven't been around as long as he has, <clears throat> but uh, so I don't have as much to say as he does, so I'll be quick for you today. Well, we're talking about um, the qualities of a godly father, and, and thank you for trusting me today, Pastor Mike, my father in love. Um, we're talking about the qualities of a godly father. We talked about a godly father provides for the needs of his family. He produces a godly atmosphere in the home. He's, he practices patience toward his kids. And the next quality we're going to look at is that he prepare for restoration. This father in this story, as we read earlier, we notice that he must have taught his kids that restoration is important. We see that he must have taught his kids that they could always come home to daddy, that he would always love them unconditionally. He must have taught them, always come to daddy when you're hurting. Always tell the truth to daddy, no matter what. Home is a safe place to be restored. You know, with Eliana, our daughter, she's you know, only three gonna be turning four, so you know, she she's hasn't done that many bad things yet, you know. But at night time and at dinner times, even the small, most insignificant things like is she telling the truth? Like be honest, even some of those smallest things we always tell her, sweetie, always be truthful to mom and daddy, no matter what. Always be truthful. And and it's our hope and our prayer that when we encourage her to be truthful in the small things, she'll be truthful in the big things later on. Well, how do we know that the father taught his son that he could always come home for restoration? Well, as we look at the story in uh, verse number 20, we see the Bible says, so he, talking about the lost son, he did what? He returned home to his who? Father. He didn't run off to the neighbor. He didn't run to his coach. He didn't run to his pastor. He felt safe to run home to his daddy. his daddy must have told his kids, son, daughter, no matter what, you always come home to me. By the way, if you're in this room today and you don't have a daddy in your house, these people that I listed off, they're perfectly great people to come running to when you need godly advice. I remember in the home, I gave my heart to Christ when I was 18, trying to figure out my way in this thing called a life with Christ. And, and I didn't have a father who was a spiritual example to me. He was a dad. He was always in the home, and he was a good dad, but he wasn't a spiritual dad. So I couldn't run to him for spiritual things. So I ran to people like pastors and my youth sponsors and trusted people in the church. They were some of the most significant people in that season of my life. We notice in the story the Bible says So the son returned home to his father, and while he was still long away off, his father saw him coming. The Bible says his father was filled with love and compassion, and he ran to his son. Notice, dads, if we're going to prepare for restoration, we've got to do something really important here. We have to keep our hearts emotionally and spiritually healthy when our kids run off. You know, if this father was bitter, if he was angry, if he was mad, if he was filled with unforgiveness towards his son, he would have never been filled with compassion. He would have never run to his son and embrace him and kiss him. You know, it's funny, as the son comes and embraces and and kisses him, the first thing the son says was that, he says, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Now, remember, this is a story that Jesus is telling to a group of people that day. And I can only imagine the people that were in the crowd listening to Jesus tell this story. They were probably thinking to themselves, yeah, you're right, boy. What you did to your daddy, that was unacceptable. And you're right, you are no longer worthy to be called his son. Yet, it's so amazing what the father does next in this story. The father does nothing like that at all. He he doesn't blame his son. It's funny, but as we see this story, the very next thing the father says after the son confesses, he says this, he says to his servants, quick, get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes. You know, it's funny to me, but his his father didn't even respond to the son's confession. He just went straight to restore his kid. It's funny to me, but I probably would go, okay, hold on a minute, bud. You know, let's sit down. We, let's have a little talk. I need to find out if you're really repentant or not. You know, I need to find out if you really are feeling resentment or, or, or if you're really feeling the need to be forgiven. I, I need to find out where your heart is really at. But the father doesn't do that at all. The father quickly runs and he begins to pour restoration on his son. The father tells his servants, put on the finest robe. I want us to notice the robe here. The robe is a, is, a, is a symbol that this father was prepared to cover his sin's condition. In verse 22, we see this. He covers his son. The father didn't want the family and the servants that were around working in the home. He didn't want these people to see his son like this. His son all busted up. His son broken, his son with, with tattered clothes on. He didn't want anyone to see his son like this. You know, it's amazing, dads, but your actions have a powerful effect on those around you. What did this dad cover? He, he covered his, his son's sin, his rebellion, his entitlement. The Bible said his, his greed, his loose living, his sexual immorality. What else did he cover? He covered his son's embarrassment. Can you imagine how embarrassing it would be to come home after all that you did and you knew what you did wasn't right? And almost more than the embarrassment, can you imagine all the shame that is wrapped around this son's life as, as he squandered all of these things away? And the father covered his shame. The dad did not even engage in speech concerning that son's sin, that day, However, he did say, quick, cover my boy. I don't want anyone to see him like this. I don't want to see him broken down emotionally, physically, spiritually, because this is my son and I'm covering him today. I love that our Heavenly Father does that for you and I. I love that he covers us and no matter how many times we come back to him, he still covers us time and time And time again, this father must have been preparing during this time for the restoration and the coming back of his son. Dads, get ready for the coming back of your sons and daughters. Get ready. Get your heart ready because I'll tell you what, there's no amount of time that is ever going to be wasted for the day that your child walks through that door to be restored by you. You have so much power in how you restore your kids and your family. It is unbelievable what you can do in your life. Next we see this father. He says this thing. He says, not only does he cover him with the robe, but he says, quick, go get a ring for his finger. I see the ring. It was a restoration of trust. The ring signifies in the Bible, it signifies family authority. And among the rich, the the ring is a sign of wealth and dignity. It was a sign of affection. And over the other places of the Bible, we see Pharaoh putting a ring on Joseph's hand, giving him a signet ring, giving him all authority over the entire kingdom to, to sign his name, to stamp envelopes because he has full authority over the kingdom. We see this in many places in the Bible. Not only did he cover his sin, but he restored trust. How hard is that after someone breaks your trust? It's tough. This, this father, Jesus is telling this story about our heavenly father, and he's showing us perfectly how to do it. Dad, it's so important that when our kids come to us, no matter how hard it is, that we have to be able to restore their trust. Because when you break a parent's trust, it's devastating as a son, and you feel like you're never going to gain it back. But can I tell you, look your kids in the eye and say, I love you, I forgive you, I want to trust you moving forward. What are you going to (laughs) lose? The next thing thing we see in the story is that the dad says, get the robe, get the ring, and get the sandals. You might be going, what's so important about him giving a pair of shoes? I see this as a restoration of position. It's so interesting, but um, slaves and servants would run around barefoot in, the, in, in these homes in the kingdom so that they would not run off and, and go somewhere else. It was a way to keep them around. But sons, sons had shoes in the home. And this was like the son was saying, hey, listen, the dad was saying, this is my son. He will not walk around here like a servant or a slave. Isn't it so funny when... <laughs> We're not the one being reprimanded, and we're not the one coming home. We kind of want them to hang around the house a little bit without some shoes so that they realize how messed up they were. But isn't it so funny when it's us coming home? We want the shoes. Yeah, we want the shoes. Dad's... Not only are we going to cover our sons in restoration and we're going to restore the trust and we're going to restore them back to position. So as this father, we see this this experience of restoration, does this private restoration with his kids within his home, within his family. Now he takes it to the public because then he says, let's prepare the fatted calf because it's time to celebrate because my son is coming home. You know, it's interesting. I'm not sure in this story exactly what the fatted calf. Calf was prepared for. I would like to think that he was preparing this whole time for his son to come home. But but it was common for them to for families to have a fatted calf because they celebrated big time. There could have been a feast around the corner. We don't exactly know what was going on. But it's so interesting to me as we see this story. The dad says, "Let's go out and let's kill that fatted calf. The son of mine is coming home." The dad was like, "It's time to celebrate. It's time to party." Go get the DJ, set up the lights, let's get this thing going, come on, let's get on Spotify, let's pull out the top 10 dance music of the time, you know, where's the Macarena, you know, where's the cha-cha slide, let's get down with it, my son is home, we're going to party. Pastor Spotify is just a place where you can go online to get music, That's that's all it is. I know some of you are kind of wondering, what's this guy talking about? But that's that's all it is. How about you, Dad? How have you taught your kids? Do your kids know they can run to you no matter what? Are you prepared in your heart to restore your children? We're not talking about handing the keys of the kingdom over your kids. We're just talking about, is your heart ready to bring that forgiveness and that grace and that restoration To your kids. If you want to prepare yourself for restoration and your kids for restoration, you have to tell them often that they can always come home to Daddy. Quick tip from my friend James. He says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When your kids come to you, that wouldn't be a good thing for you to try. Well, we are on the last and shortest point of the day. This father the qualities of a good father this father finally he promoted unity in his family we see that this father promoted unity and we see that he resisted to compare his kids with each other both sons were completely different we have the younger son who was that typical younger child that he was a little entitled we notice we notice he's a little bit spoiled so spoiled in fact that he asked for an early part of his inheritance You're kind of like, what is wrong with you, kid? Like, do you want to have any inheritance at all? Just keep your mouth closed. But he was so entitled, obviously. But it's so funny that when he came to his father and requested that, his father didn't beat him over the head. He wasn't hard on him. He just gave that away to him. And the funny thing is the father didn't say can you be a little more like your older brother? Can't you be more responsible? Don't you know that it's inappropriate to ask for inheritance at your age? He didn't do that at all. He didn't compare one son with the other. And we notice that the older son, when the older son uh, was this, your typical firstborn child, he, he, he was hardworking. He was very responsible. And as Pastor said earlier, he was a little bit self-righteous. And we notice in this story when this older son comes home it's the bible is giving this picture of the son away off working hard in the fields right as opposed to his little brother not working at all wasting everything he's hard working off in the fields and here he is imagine being the older brother coming home from the fields you got your your dirt path to the house and you're coming back you got some servants around you you got your i've been working all day swag on and you see a little dust off in the distance and you hear a little, "Mm, mm, mm, mm." and you're kind of, you're walking in, and you see dust up there, and all of a sudden, one of the servants is like, hey, isn't that your brother over there? Like, everyone's around him, and he's just like, he's just getting it. Can you imagine what that older brother would be thinking as he's coming off, wondering where his older son has been this whole time? He comes home, dust, music, and they come running to him, and and he passes the place where they keep the fatted calf. And there is no fatted calf in there. He's probably thinking, that was for my birthday. My son, my brother, they're celebrating him. That was prepared for my birthday. Can you imagine how angry that older brother felt? He comes to his dad, Pastor Reddit, at a minute ago, and we'll speed through it. But he was angry. He, he said, that son of yours squandered everything off on prostitutes. How dare him? I can't believe it. You want me to come in and celebrate? I'm having nothing to do with that. He's mad at his dad because he feels like his dad never celebrated with him like that. And here's what the father says. He, he did not compare him with his other brother. He just said, can't you be more repentant in your heart? Can't you forgive a little bit like your little brother? He didn't All He simply said, son, you're always with me in everything I have. Is yours. I love how the dad did this. And we see that the father, he reassured his love and support for both sons. He welcomed the younger son home and he reaffirmed his oldest son when he said, son, everything I have, it belongs to you. I love so much that he looked at that older son and he just said, hey, your position is secure with me. And your possessions are secure with me. You know, as we close this service today, um, Clay can come to the piano and we'll do this kind of quickly today. But today my prayer for you, dads, is that God would encourage you and challenge you to have some of these qualities that we talked about today. You know, Father's Day, it's it's a, a great day to celebrate, yet it could be a difficult day for some. You know, maybe you have always dreamed of having a godly, affirming dad. And your dad, just for whatever reason, he wasn't able to give that to you. Maybe you never had the chance to know your dad. My dad lost his dad when he was just five years old. He never knew him. Never had the opportunity to know him. Maybe your dad hurt you physically. Physically. Spiritually Maybe you've been waiting your whole life For your dad to say son I love you and I'm proud of you I want you to know today That the greatest way That you could ever Obtain any of these qualities is by having a personal relationship with Jesus yourself. Because this story is not about a dad. It is about the dad. It is about our heavenly father. And so I would love for you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. I wanna ask you a couple questions. And if you answer any of these questions, yes, I would like you to raise your hand because we want to pray for you at the end. My first question is this. If there is a dad in this room and you have been a little bit like the younger son and you have been off, far off in your relationship with the father and you would like to come back home or maybe you have never even had a relationship with your father, you've never heard him say, God, say to you, I'm proud of you, my son. Because here's what God is going to say to you. He's going to say, quick, I'm going to cover you. If you're in this building today and you've been far off from Jesus and you need to come back home, I want you to slip your hand up right now so I can see your hand. Anybody who's just far off from Jesus and you need him to come home to you, you need to come home right now. Is there anybody in the building like that right now? Finally, if you are in this room today and you say, I want to become the father that my kids need me to be. I want you to know today, dads, that it is not too late. Would you raise your hand quickly? I want to become the father that my kids need me to be. Would you slip your hand up? Thank you. You might be in this room and you might say, I need restoration with my own father. Would you slip your hand up? We want to pray for you as well. I need restoration with my own father. Finally, you're in this room and you say, I want God to meet the fatherly needs that my earthly father could not meet. Would you raise your hand today? I need God to meet the needs that my earthly father could not meet. Would you all stand with me today? I want to close in prayer and we're going to start off for those who have been far off with Christ. And I would love for you all to repeat this prayer after me. Would you close your eyes and repeat this prayer? Would you say, dear God, I've been far off and I want to come home. Please come into my heart today. Cover my sin. Cover my shame. I thank you for what your son did on the cross for me to forgive my sins. I accept you into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we pray for all of these people here today. God, we pray for those who have lost their fathers recently in the last few years, God, the pain sometimes that is associated with this day. I pray that you would fill their heart with great memories, God. I pray for those, God, who are far off from their fathers. Their fathers are still living, God, but they're far off. There's separation, God. I pray that you would just, God, uh, fill that gap, Lord, in their life, and you would be the father that their fathers, for whatever reason at this season of their life, Can't be, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just bring restoration to these relationships, God. And we thank you so much that you are the greatest example of a father that we could ever have. In Jesus' name, would you say a big amen today? Amen, amen.